Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, GT Church. How's it going, everyone? Yeah, so good to see you. Glad to be with you. My name is Pastor Chris Kong, and I just want to warmly welcome you with us here today. I want to give honor where honor is due, and we just want to, once again, honor our first responders, the Greater Victoria Emergency Response Team. Can we put our hands together for them? Thank you, Jesus, for our first responders. Let's continue to be praying for them and for their families, and so thankful for those who would give their lives for us. Thank you, Jesus, for them. And I also want to honor our lead pastors, Andy and Lisa Moore. They're not with us today, but I just want you to know that they pray for you every single day. And they're believing that God will do a good work in you that will continue on to completion. So thankful for them for having me here today to speak with you. And uh, just so blessed to be a part of this, this house. So we have been in a series called The Christian Walk. And we've been going through the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. And last week we had Pastor Lucas Bonnet with us. And he spoke about Ephesians chapter 4. He got us into verse 1 to 16. And this week we're going to go on and move ahead a bit into verse 17 to 30. So you can pull out your Bible. This is the great time to like pull out your phone app, okay? Uh, We don't usually use our phones in church, but this is a good time to pull out your app. Uh, There's also a Bible in the pew just in front of you if you need that. And we're going to be in Ephesians 4 verse 17 to 30. Ephesians is just so rich. There's so much to go on, uh, a lot for us to go on in here. And if you've been following with us in this series, you'd know that chapters 1 to 3 in Ephesians are really Paul's um, theological teaching. And then from verses 4 to 6, he switches gears and turns into more of an ethical teaching or Christian ethics uh, lessons for us. How do you actually live out this Christian walk? And that's verses 4 to 6. So we're getting into that. And I want to give honor to the word, so we're going to read uh, 17 to 30, so stay with me. It's, it's a bit of a, 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 bit of a uh, big passage, but we'll get through it, okay? Let's read together. So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They're darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That is, that, however, is not the way of life you learn when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, And to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let's pray. 
Lord Jesus, we honor your word today. We thank you for it. Would it speak to our hearts and to our minds? And would you search us? Holy Spirit, would you use these words I'm about to speak, God, and I pray that they would be encouraging and uplifting and building to the kingdom. Have your way in this place, Lord Jesus. We honor you. You're worthy of it, and we praise you in this place. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I remember when I was 20 years old, it was just a few years ago, and I was working at the Staples Business Center just down the street there. I was selling computers, as one does. And I had a bit of, like, you know, expendable income in those days. I was in my 20s, and I was at my favorite clothing store, and I actually came across this amazing piece of clothing in the window there. And it was a gray Volcom suit jacket. It was so slick. It was the nicest jacket I ever did see. The lining inside had this like black and white zebra print that was so shiny. Every time you'd walk, it would open up and flap this shiny lining. And from the first time I put it on, I knew that this jacket was made for me. Like in the factory, they said, this is going to Chris Kong. He needs this jacket. And I would put this jacket on. And I would get my iPod shuffle ready with my, you know, 250 songs loaded on there. And with my headphones cranked to 11, I would just strut into that Staples Business Center, up into the staff lounge, just like a boss. I wasn't the boss. But when I wore that jacket, it actually felt like nothing could touch me. And looking back, you know, I was just a punk kid living in my grandma's basement making minimum wage. But when I had that jacket on, I was granted a new level of confidence. I stood taller, you know. I walked bolder. You know what they say, clothes, they really make the man. And, you know, I share this story because it made me wonder as I was preparing, what if our faith, what we believe, our Christian walk, was actually like a garment that we were to put on, like that gray Volcom jacket? And what would happen if we truly believe that the Savior of the world, the one who created the earth and everything in it, every molecule and every being, wants to actually clothe us with a new, transformed self? What if we truly believe that? You'd better believe that you would stand taller, that you would strut a bit longer, and that you would walk bolder, and it wouldn't be because you were prideful or pretentious. No, it would be because you know deep inside that you've been called and approved by God and that you've been clothed with his righteousness and his holiness. But what does righteousness mean in this context today? It means that you are right in the eyes of God. And what does holiness mean in this context today? It means that you're without sin. And to be made holy means that the slate of your life has been wiped clean and you've been set apart from all of those other things. And we know, my friends, that this only happens because of the work Jesus Christ did on the cross. Am I right? Can I get an amen today? We're going to celebrate that in just a few moments with communion. But there's a problem that I see. Sometimes I see that we choose to actually live the Christian walk without Jesus. Uh-oh. 
choose to live without the one who promises to clothe us with this confidence, the one who gives us new life. It's why in verse 17, Paul had to actually insist that the Ephesian church do exactly what he asked. He looked around and he saw the people in the church of that day who were acting no differently than the people around them. And walking the Christian life means that we live differently than the people around us. We don't act as the culture around us expects us to act because we are what? We are righteous and we are holy. So as we continue this Christian walk series, really our goal for you today is that you would leave here with the knowledge that you were called to walk boldly to take off the old self and to put on the new self, to be clothed differently. And this morning, I'm going to share three keys to walking boldly with you. If you're a note taker, get your pen ready. Here we go. Three keys to walking boldly. The first key is that you have to turn away from your old self. Turn away from your old self. Ephesians 4, 17 to 19. So I tell you this and insist on in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. See, Paul continues this part of his letter by describing a group of unsaved non-Jews called Gentiles. And in Paul's context, he's actually saying a Gentile is someone without an understanding of God the Father or a knowledge or an upbringing rooted in the Old Testament laws and covenants of the Bible. Do you know, do you see how he described these Gentiles? I want to quickly recap here. They're darkened in their understanding. They're separated from the life of God. They're ignorant. They had hardened hearts. They lost all sensitivity, given over to sensuality and lust. They indulged in every kind of impurity, and they're full of greed. Okay, Paul, why don't you really tell us how you feel about these people, right? See, Paul isn't saying that the Gentiles were stupid or unintelligent. He's saying that in a most spiritual way, they were dim. They couldn't see the spiritual dimension of a life with Jesus, and they were ignorant of the gift of salvation that they had because of their hardened hearts. See, if we look at verses 18 to 19, you can actually begin to see this downward spiral that comes from having a hardened heart. You're separated from the life of God. You lose sensitivity. You give in to lust and sensuality, and you take on all kinds of impurity, and you're full of greed. And that's really the last thing we'd want to have is a hardened heart. Can we just take a moment and talk about our current cultural moment? Life in our society right now is easy to describe as very hard and truly tricky to navigate as Christians today. And maybe you're like me, you've heard people throughout this past couple years of COVID say that, you know, because of all these different waves and variants and all these things, the struggles that have come financially, that it's actually easy to become numb. And I think this is the dynamic that Paul was talking about when he said that the Gentiles had lost all sensitivity And I know for me, at times during this pandemic, I have actually lost the ability to see God's goodness at times. And on top of this, throughout this pandemic, we've seen so many leaders and pastors and marriages that have fallen or been broken up due to overwhelming lust or sensuality. And if we're even to mention impurity, like he mentions here, 
all you have to do is just scroll Instagram or TikTok for five minutes just to find it all. There's covetousness, envy, anger, gossip, slander, comparison, nudity, and hate, all on social media platforms. And if we talk about greed, it's everywhere. Corporate greed, individual greed, societal greed. If you take a moment just to examine our society, it seems as if the divide between the rich and the poor keeps getting larger and wider because everyone is just out to get theirs, something for themselves. Greed is why granola bars come in boxes of three instead of five nowadays, and you still pay the same price. I'm kind of angry about it. <laughs> you know, in every way imaginable, you look out there and the culture around us is desperately looking for more. They felt they've fallen prey to ignorance because we see them with their people with hardened hearts trying to fill a God-shaped hole within themselves. But that's really not Jesus' desire for any of us. He actually desires to fill that God-shaped hole, that we would find fulfillment in a close relationship with him. And our relationship with him actually enables us to walk in confidence, even though the culture around us pines for something new. Earlier in Ephesians, if you go back to chapter 2, verses 4 to 5, Paul describes our condition before a life with Jesus. It's actually a life stuck wearing this old self. Verse 4, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Thank you, Jesus. And this is the part where it gets heavy. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. See, we were dead in our transgressions, the way we used to live, the old self. But with Christ, we're made alive, given the ability to have a new self. So when it comes to our society and the culture around us, we walk boldly because we recognize that things could have been very different for us if we didn't have Jesus Christ. We walk boldly when we recognize that we've come from a culture and a society shaped by a darkened understanding and we walk boldly because we've been saved from judgment and the effect of our sinful ways because of Jesus. It's because of his sacrifice for us. That's the mercy that Paul talked about. Mercy is God withholding a punishment that we deserved. Maybe today, is it possible that as I read out Paul's description of the Gentiles, that you maybe saw a bit of yourself in these descriptions? Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus Christ yet. I want you to know that Jesus actually has a new life available for you. A life that doesn't need to be propped up by a career or material things or relationships for fulfillment. And if you choose to follow him, truly, you will have an opportunity to experience his unconditional love and to live a full and abundant life that he promises for you. And maybe you're hearing me today and you've been a Christian, maybe for a minute or maybe for a long time, and you see yourself in Paul's description of the Gentiles. I want to encourage you today, don't leave this place without getting right with God. Seek forgiveness. Turn away from those things because you know what? As we learned last week, you were called to a higher calling, a higher standard. 
Don't live like the Gentiles lived, darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because God has so much more for you as you put on the new self. So that's the first key to walking boldly. Turn away from your old self. Turn away from your old self. The second key is this, to put on the new self. Put on the new self. Verse 20 to 24 in Ephesians chapter 4. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. In these verses, Paul is contrasting the Gentiles that he mentioned earlier to those who would actually claim to be true Christ followers. Pay attention to Paul's language here in verses 20 to 21. It's important, okay? The way of life you learned when you heard about Christ. You were taught with regard to your former way of life. What he's saying here is that you don't just become a follower of Jesus by accident. It takes learning. It takes training to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ because being a Christian isn't about joining a social club or joining a program or coming to this weekly event. Did you know that you can actually become a disciple of anything, really? The question is, are you becoming a disciple of Jesus? What are you learning? Who's teaching you? Are you being discipled by our friend Netflix or by your close friends or maybe your favorite political blog or your even social media? Because I can tell you, whatever you permit in your life has an effect on who you're becoming. And here Paul is saying that we were taught to live differently. We are called to be disciples of Jesus Christ. But how do we become disciples of Christ? One writer says it better than I could ever say it. He says this, becoming a disciple is a lifelong experience where imperfect people are shaped into Jesus's likeness, marked by progress, not perfection. When you first accepted Jesus into your life, it wasn't just for a ticket into heaven. It signaled the beginning of a supernatural change within you, the new self. And if we look at verses 22 to 24, Paul is teaching us that two things happen at the same time when we become Christ's followers. At the moment of your conversion, number one, you put off the old self the self that resembled the Gentiles' futile thinking, the depraved way of life. And number two, you put on the new self, the self that was created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And like I mentioned at the start of my message today, I can't help but thinking this passage, Paul was speaking about a garment. Before we began our relationship with Christ, we were clothed in tattered, dirty rags. And the moment we decided to put off our old selves and choose to follow him, he replaced those tattered, dirty rags with a wonderful gray full comm suit jacket. Okay, not really. <laughs> he replaces those tattered rags with a new, holy, righteous garment. He gives us a new life, something that wasn't there before where we are renewed in his image and his likeness to be truly holy, to be truly righteous in his sight. But the, true, 
And I wonder, why would we ever want to go back to the old way? But the truth is, is that we always do. Instead of putting on the new self, the righteous holy garments given to us by Jesus, we just try to bedazzle all these tattered rags. We try to tailor and mend our sinful nature so that it looks like we're holy and righteous. But you know what? God sees right through that. And his response is to actually call us forward in it. Because if you truly believe in Jesus, if you put any stock in his word, you have to do all that you can do to put off that old self. You have to get rid of those dirty, tattered rags and put on the new clothes that he has for you. You might ask me, you know, will I sin along the way? Will I mess up? Well, yeah, you probably will. But it's like I said before, becoming a disciple is a lifelong experience where imperfect people are shaped into Jesus's likeness, marked by what? Progress, not perfection. To be a Christian means not perfection, but progress. The Christian life isn't about being perfect, it's about being in progress. We know that only Jesus is perfect. Thank you, Lord, for that. But we actually have the opportunity to accept a new life with Jesus. And let's be real. Paul wouldn't be writing this to the Ephesians if they always lived up to the calling that Christ had for them, right? And the same is true for us today. But this is why when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within your heart. Can I say that in a different way? As Christians, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's exciting, guys. Come on. What does the Holy Spirit do? The Spirit continually helps us to clean and manage our spiritual condition. He's a helper, an advocate, a friend. The Spirit reveals our sin and shows us the areas of our lives that we still have to surrender to Jesus. But you know what? We have to engage ourselves in that process because without the Spirit, you know, living the Christian life is like this. It's like, have you ever seen those people with like the really white sneakers? You know, they have to spend a lot of time keeping those sneakers white. But living without the Spirit is like trying to keep sneakers white for your whole life. It's just not possible, right? You'd be cleaning those things all the time and eventually you're just gonna give up because it's dirty, right? You just gotta buy new sneaks. But the Spirit continuously guides us. Do you wanna keep your life clean? You wanna keep those white sneakers clean? You must, you have to attend to your own spiritual health. When we attend to our spiritual health, we, be, we begin to pray prayers like King David prayed in Psalm 139, 23 to 24. He said this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Being a mature Christian is about trusting God enough to let him into the inmost parts of our being and asking him to lead us in the way everlasting. Do you want to walk boldly in your Christian walk? You have to put off the old self and then put on that new self. And we know that he'll help us in this. So we've been talking about three keys to walking boldly with Christ. 
The first key is that you would put away your old self. The second key was to put on your new self. And the third key is to live differently. You got to live differently. When we put off our old selves and put on the new self, something has to change. You're not going to roll in the mud with your new garment, right? It's just got to be different. In verse 24, it says, put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Then right after this, Paul says, therefore, because when you've put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness, you have to do this. You must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor for all members of one body, right? In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who's been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. This hits me too, verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. This verse hits really hard. And there's five tips that I want to share with you that you can live differently. I know it's scary. A guy, a pastor at the end of his sermon saying, here's five points, but I'm going to go through them quickly, okay? Here's five tips on how to live differently. I stole them directly from Ephesians chapter four, from Paul. Okay, I didn't steal because it's not stealing, but here we go. Don't lie. Speak truthfully. Seek unity. Don't get too angry there's a difference between rage and a righteous indignation. Is that right? Come on. Jesus got angry, but he didn't sin. Don't steal. Work and be useful with your hands. The, re the remedy for a thief is actually generosity. Don't speak unwholesomely. Only speak what is helpful for building other people up. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit because you were sealed with him for the day of redemption. See, I want you to know that I could probably speak a message on each one of these things on its own, right? But for now, I want you to really notice that each of these behaviors has something to do with how we interact with other people. People lie to people. People get angry with people. People steal from people. People speak unwholesomely to people about other people. And do you know what happens when Christian people do these things? It grieves the Holy Spirit because we aren't living up to the calling that he's given us in Christ Jesus. See, these behaviors actually damage the unity that we have from God and that he desires for the people around us. The same unity that Paul has been talking about through the entire book of Ephesians. These things maybe aren't the biggest sins, but these are the things that differentiate us from those who Paul would call Gentiles. And isn't it interesting that the sum of the Christian life is actually about us impacting other people with our relationship with Christ? It's less about us and more about us reaching out with Christ's unity that he has for us. So can I just summarize my message in a sentence or two? Here it is. 
you fall, if you fell asleep, now's the time to wake up because I'm gonna recap the whole thing. Here we go. The Christian walk consists of us entering into a transformative relationship with Jesus Christ that impacts how we live. We do this by putting off our old natures and by putting on reformed attitudes and a new nature. And we walk boldly with Jesus when we consistently choose to live differently. You, yes, you, don't have to be futile in your thinking like the Gentiles. You don't. You don't have to be darkened in your understanding and miss the spiritual cues that God has for you today because you've learned from the Bible and because you've learned from us as we speak to you week after week. You have been taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And God willing, yes, God willing, we will do so. We will continue to walk boldly wearing our new selves. Can I pray for you today? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're here in this moment. Would you search our hearts, God? Would you see our anxious ways? Would you test and approve us, God? And Lord, you don't lead us to guilt, but would you lead us in the way of everlasting? Would you show us your love and your patience and your kindness? God, we turn away from our old selves today, those ways that were deceitful and sinful. Maybe in this moment, God is speaking to you. There's something in your life that you need to turn away from. Would you just speak that out to him? Today, God, I turn away from whatever it is. God, would you continue to make me new in the attitude of my mind and give me the new self day by day. Lord, help us to live as you lived. Help us to love as you loved. And Lord Jesus, I pray a blessing on each person in this room that you would give them your spirit so that they may test and approve their own lives. Help us to live boldly in this Christian life, not as the world outside lives, but as you've called us with a true calling a fulfilling calling, an abundant calling. We thank you for that today, Lord Jesus, and we leave here full of hope, full of joy, full of your son, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Just at the conclusion of our service, I want us to take a moment, and you were given one of these communion cups on your way in. We're going to celebrate communion together. Let's take a moment to... Remember Jesus' sacrifice. Walking boldly means putting off constantly the old self, and there's no better way to put off the old self than to remind yourself of the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made so that you could live in freedom from sin and death. Thank you, Jesus. His body was broken for us. That's why we take the bread or this piece of wafer here. It reminds us that his body was broken and his blood was shed. That's why we drink the juice in this cup as symbols of the life that he gave so that we could be free of sin.
that we could live in forgiveness, that we could have freedom. I'm gonna read out a familiar passage to you, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And we'll take the bread and the juice together. This is Paul speaking. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can we eat the bread together today? Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. You're so good. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's proclaim the Lord's death today. Thank you, Jesus, that you gave your life for us. That through your broken body and shed blood that we can have freedom from our sin, freedom from our old way of living. And God, I pray that you would empower us to walk boldly with this knowledge, knowing that you've called us to be different, all because of your sacrifice, all because of how you have given us a new life, all because of your spirit that you sent to this earth to guide us. So Lord, as we leave this place today, would you be glorified in us? Would you be made famous in our city of Victoria and around the world because of people who have decided to live boldly as followers of Jesus Christ, as true disciples of the Lord? We thank you for this in the powerful, mighty, and wonderful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Why don't we stand and sing in response to Christ's sacrifice? He gave it all for us. We're so thankful to you, Jesus. You are good. Let's sing it out.